1: Welcome back to The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Childhood is full of little worries, like who you'll sit next to at lunch, passing this week's spelling test, or walking past that scary barking dog at the end of the block. But sometimes kids' worries grow bigger than your teen's Instagram audience faster than your tween in a growth spurt, or are more numerous than fidget spinners in the lunchroom. And especially at stressful transition times, back to school, the holidays, heading to summer camp, worry can eat away at kids' comfort and confidence. It's heartbreaking to watch your kid do things that set them apart from their peers, like clinging to you at soccer practice, crying at birthday parties, or refusing to participate in school to the point that their grades suffer. And it can be exasperating to hear them worry about things that seem irrational or to worry about the same things over and over again. Luckily, you can help. By request from listener Ivana in Copenhagen, Denmark, here are five ways to soothe your kids' worries. And guess what? They work just as well for grown-ups. Tip number 1 is help them make a game plan. Sometimes kids forget that they have the power to cope with challenges. Help them realize that they can solve most age appropriate problems themselves or with a little help. If they express worries to you, say, It sounds like you're worried about X, or I hear that you're nervous about Y. This gives them a name for what they're doing or feeling and avoids the shutdown of, There's nothing to be scared of, or just relax. Then, Help them make a plan. If their fears came to pass, what could they do? If they need a little help, who could they ask? For instance, what if Jenna stops being your friend? What could you do then? What if you get lost in the mall? Who would you ask for help? Or what if you feel like you're going to throw up in class? What can you do? Then come up with solutions together. Helping them make a game plan does two things one, it helps them move beyond a problem to a solution. Which can reduce uncertainty, the driver of worry. Two, and most importantly, it sends the message that you have confidence in them. You trust that they are capable and can handle age appropriate challenges. Tip number two is encourage them to talk back to their anxiety. Sometimes kids don't realize that their worries are just one side of a conversation. They can talk back to their worries in order to make themselves feel better and more confident. In order to do this, suggest they choose a name for their anxiety. For example, Big Bad Worries, Worried Jessica, Worry Monkey, or they can picture a character sitting on their shoulder. This helps personify the anxiety and makes it separate from your child. Then, encourage them to talk back to it. Work with them to come up with some helpful talking points for when anxiety strikes. Kids old enough for phones can jot a ready-made pep talk into their note section. I can deal with whatever happens. Or, it's okay to make mistakes or do stupid things. Younger kids who can read can carry a post it note or index card in their backpack with the same helpful messages I am stronger than my worries. Or, it's okay if everything isn't perfect. If kids feel embarrassed about carrying around a note or they can't read yet, they can carry a symbol that reminds them of their response. Maybe you and your child decide that owl stickers mean, I can handle challenging things. Then she puts an owl sticker on her lunch bag, her homework folder, and her backpack. Whether through stickers, index cards, phone notes, or imagination, encouraging your child to talk back to their anxiety empowers them and makes them active rather than passive. Okay, next we have tip number three. Remind them that what revs up must slow down. Worry comes with physical feelings, a pounding heart, lightheadedness, a flip-flop in the stomach. And these feelings can amplify an already scary situation, like doing a math problem on the board, facing a cafeteria's worth of rowdy kids, or getting called on unexpectedly in class. Uncomfortable sensations might make them think, I'm going to throw up or something's wrong with me. If physical sensations make your kid think that something is horribly wrong, do some training. Bring on the symptoms on purpose in order to get used to them. Run up your stairs together to make your hearts pound. Swing on the swings to feel a little dizzy. Hang upside down from the monkey bars to feel the blood rush to your heads. Have them focus on the sensations. 30 seconds to a minute should do it. And then, when you're done, Notice how quickly you both get back to feeling normal. Usually, it just takes a minute or two. And your kid will probably even bounce back before you. Now, kids might say, but that wasn't scary. I only felt dizzy because we spun around a bunch. To which you answer, yes. And when you feel this way before you read aloud in class, it's just because you're feeling anxious. It doesn't mean you're sick and have to go to the nurse. See how your dizzy feelings went away on their own pretty quickly after we stopped spinning? They'll go away on their own during or after reading aloud, too. In short, teach them they don't have to be afraid of their physical feelings. They're uncomfortable, but it's just anxiety, nothing more, and they go away pretty quickly. Tip number four is wean them off unhelpful rituals. If your child has more pre game traditions than the most superstitious of major leaguers, or they can't brush their teeth without turning the water off and on four times, it's time for an experiment. Suggest seeing what happens without the ritual. They will look at you as if you just suggested wearing their underwear over their pants, but gently persist. Be curious, not harsh. Acknowledge it feels wrong not to do the ritual, but if they insist that tapping their pencil seven times is the only way to make things turn out okay, encourage them to put their theory to the test. The tapping or counting or nodding or whatever maybe getting the credit for maintaining calm and safety when they were handling their life just fine all along. Now, if you are part of the ritual, for instance, your child begs you to tuck them in exactly symmetrically or to wash your shoes whenever you come in the house, bite the bullet and stop. Why? Because if you participate, you send the message that something bad will happen without the ritual. Inadvertently, you tell them that they need the ritual to get through the day, that they can't handle things without it. Brace yourself for indignation and tears, but also be supportive. Understand that the ritual is important to them. Understand that the ritual is important to them, and that they will feel worse without it short term. But long term, it's more important to learn that they're safe and capable, even without you saying good night in just the right tone of voice, or giving them exactly three hugs before they get on the school bus. And finally, tip number five, for at least a few minutes a day, offer fewer directions, fewer suggestions, and less advice. In solidarity, parents will sometimes ask, but what can I change to help my kid? This is awesome. You certainly are not at fault for causing your kid's anxiety, but offering to change some of your own behaviors can give you even more power to alleviate it. One way may be to listen to how you speak to your child. A huge percentage of our communication is telling our kids to do something, to stop doing something, or to help them do something. We give directions, suggestions, and advice. But if your kid is anxiety-prone, this may come across as criticism. And criticism pops up in unlikely places. Sometimes questions come across as criticism. Don't you want to start your homework? Or why don't you add some red Legos to your tower? Teachable moments sound like a quiz. Can you read that sign? What color is this? Sometimes even compliments sound like criticisms. Good work. We're chipping away. We still have a long way to go, though. The solution isn't to let kids run wild and directionless. You still need to run your household and make sure homework gets done. But for a few minutes a day, bite your tongue and let them take the lead. Think less pressure, less direction, less intensity. Just reflect what they're saying and show that you're listening. What's happening in this magic potion of yours is different than, here, let's add some baking soda to your potion. Remember, they take the lead. I'm excited to hear about your day is different than, what did you learn in school today? For at least a few minutes, we're not quizzing. Reflect back what they're saying rather than giving advice or solving their age-appropriate problem for them. You sound nervous about school tomorrow. May not feel like you're doing anything, but you are. You're showing that you hear them loud and clear, which is way different than there's nothing to be nervous about. Anxiety often comes down to feeling incapable. So when you stop giving advice, giving direction, or offering suggestions for a few minutes and let them take the lead, they feel more capable and in control. And then you can go back to making sure they did their homework. To sum it all up, anxiety is about uncertainty. Am I capable can I handle whatever comes up by working with them to prepare for and then face their fears, but stopping short of doing things for them? You build their certainty in their own confidence and capabilities. The result: a confident kid, and eventually, a confident adult. Thank you so much for making the savvy psychologist a part of your life. Never miss a thing when you sign up for the newsletter at quickanddirtytips.com/newsletters or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. You can also listen on Spotify, follow on Twitter at QDT Savvy Psych, or like on Facebook, where there are always links to episodes no longer available on Apple Podcasts. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and The Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you all next Friday for a happier, healthier mind.
2: Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The anxietycoachespodcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.